Hare Bowl, everyone. Hare Krishna. Um, my name is Kishore Chandra, and we're here for Chit Chat. Uh, we come on here every evening at 6 p.m., and we come to speak, speak about spiritual topics. Welcome, Shyam. Hare Bowl. So, myself and Jai Jagannath, who is now here. Hello. Hmm. Strange. You can't hear me? No, I can hear you. Just, I might need to do this again. There we go. Good. Hello. Yes, hello. <laughs> How goes it? Um, today hasn't been the best of days, but mm -hmm. I'm still here, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's me too. <laughs> sometimes me too. it's like sometimes it's like that uh, duality. Yeah, sometimes it's like that duality, but I like that you kind of qualified it with like, but I'm still here. And something that I really like, I think I think I think Radhanath Maharaj has said something like this. I'm I'm like remembering an image that he's used, utilized in a lot of his kind of um, uh, lectures that he gives. Recently, I feel like he's mentioned this about the surfer. Have you heard about the surfer? In regards that like the surfer has to learn how to ride, ride the waves well and keep on going forward because he, if he stops, then you sink and you die. <laughs> and I always, I always think about, I always think about that because Oh God, you know, I think sometimes it feels, I, you know me, I am, I am a moper and wallowing comes very easily to me. <laughs> and so like when I'm in a wallowy space, I'm just like, I was straight up on my phone on Facebook for like an hour today. Just like, why am I doing like it's, it's been, you know, like when you're in those moments where you're just like, Okay, just 15 minutes more, like, you know, then I'm going to get up and do something else. But sometimes it's like that, you know, sometimes it's just like, it's hard to get unstuck in those moments. So I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I have, there's much that could be said about that. But we have a topic today. We, and we do. We, we do have a topic on... today. So we, Srimad Bhagavatam. I, yeah, I suggested that we kind of maybe unpack this verse a little bit. Um, okay, the scene is Dharma personified religious principles, or there's a better word for Dharma than religious principles. I just, that word religious just um, taints it because of the history. <laughs> <laughs> Dharma, Dharma means that which sustains and allows mm. flourishing. Mm. Um, the, one of the Sanskrit, anyway, there's the word dren, I think, is used as a, a Sanskrit root that is used to form the word dharma. It means mm. that which sustains and allows for flourishing. So mm. dharma of a bull was attacked by personified Kali. This yes. is the age of Kali Yuga, the age of quarrel and hypocrisy, sometimes also referred to as the Iron Age, the age of industrialization, of technology, all destruction of flourishing life this is this particular age so dharma the, the dharma that which allows for sustenance and flourishing 
in the form of a bull was attacked by the personified Kali. Dharma's four legs mm. are said to represent the four principles that allow for human flourishing, namely the principle of truthfulness, the principle of compassion or nonviolence, you can say also, the principle of discernment or the, uh, and the principle of austerity or proper action. So mm. these are the four legs. Three of the legs were immediately broken by Kali. So the, the pillar that the pillar of austerity smashed in the age of Kali. I like I didn't even know what that word meant when I joined. I was like austerity, like who who uses words like this? <laughs> um, the the corresponding to the austerity principle, just FYI, is the the regular principle that we follow in our ISKCON family of no intoxication. Um, intoxication can be of many types. Um, you know, drugs and alcohol first comes to mind, but I think social media could easily be added to the list anyway. So because it, intoxication counters the principle of austerity and discipline and for mm. better. Okay, then the pillar of mercy smashed also immediately and our principle of no meat eating that is said to correspond to that particular pillar or the destroyer of that pillar. Mm. And then the pillar of purity, the word is shocha, which means cleanliness mm. or purity. That was also smashed. Um, the principle of no illicit sex is the counter opposite of that principle. And then truthfulness was said to be not yet completely smashed, but in an, an embarrassing situation. Mm. So Dharma the bull was seen, I think, urinating on the, the, the leg of truth. And mm. Kali was coming for that leg as well. So mm. truthfulness is still existing, but it's in a very bewildering situation in the age of Kali. Mm. So this is the scene that's been painted for us in the Bhagavatam. Parkship Maharaj hears that cows are being accosted by... Oh, another really important point about this scene is that Kali was dressed as a king, even mm -hmm. though he was a low-class man. Mm. I'm just going to throw it out there because I think it's funny, but y'all not going to like this. Sonify Kali is depicted as a black man. I'm going to just throw that out there. <laughs> uh, I, I remember when I first saw the, the, the paint of this whole scene, I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, he's, but, <laughs> so he's a low, he's a low class man dressed as a high class, socially high class. So hmm. Kali, the, the idea there is that Kali flourishes and in, in where there's deceit. So hmm. I, all of these things don't really require purpose. There's plenty of evidence of all of this going on today. So he's attacked Dharma the bull. Parkship Marsh hears of this and he immediately comes to the scene to, put, to actually kill hmm. um, Kali. The penalty for attacking a bull or a cow's death penalty, mm. or just generally attacking a harm, harm, harmless creature, is the death penalty. Different mm. culture. Anyway, Park Marsh comes to the scene. He asks the question, Who has done this to you? 
Mm. So there's it was it was self evident who was done. You know, Kali had the weapon in his hand, and there were witnesses. Also, it was self evident who did this to him. But Dharma did not give a straightforward answer. He, not going through all his answers, we're trying to get to the, the punchline. He says, "Who can really say who was the cause of uh, circumstances that we experience in our life?" So this mm. is this is the personified dharma. So he knows about the laws of karma, the laws of cause and effect, and so pinpointing who's the actual culprit for all of these activities is basically near impossibility. So in so many philosophical mm. language, he kind of expresses this point. And then Parkshit Maharaj, in hearing that, responds with this famous statement. Uh, it's famous in our family, although I there aren't many commentaries on it. Into this famous statement comes up: Dharma pravishi dharma gya, dharma asivrishu rupadrik. So he says, "It is clear to me from how you're speaking that you are dharma gya. You are one who knows mm. what is dharma." Mm. And you are, in fact, Dharma Asivishwarupajit. You are actually personified Dharma in the form of a bull. Mm. Well, why do you say that, Parshit Maharaj? And this is the this is the punchline, y'all. This statement is an amazing one to me, um, and to a lot of devotees, I think. Well, why do you say I'm the personified Dharma? He says because a Dharma that because you know principle that whatever situation yat stadam whatever literally words like stadam means like standing and whatever standing mm. uh, the person who performs a religious acts whatever is their standing dharma krita means one who does adharma whatever is their standing the person who identifies that person that person who's done a religious acts, taught by that, becomes that. Mm. And that's a, it's a wild statement. Because you, you have spoken according to the principle that whoever identifies the standing of a person who is a dharmakrita, who is a performer of a religious acts, taught by that, becomes that. Mm. So I, I wanted to unpack that particular statement because, I mean... Prima facie, if you were to just hear this by itself, you one would find it problematic. You mean to tell me if I call mm. someone out for their racism, then I become? Or you're saying like, what is the meaning of that particular statement? So I wanted to. That's where we left off, and I wanted to unpack this a little bit more in today's chit chat. There's a lot to unpack here because today, for some reason, while I was reading through this section, I don't know if like Facebook or Google knew that I was like reading through this section. You know how like, you know how like sometimes they like show you stuff that you've been like looking at? And so yeah. in, the in the purport to this verse, Srila Prabhupada talks about Jesus. Right. And, and uh, Facebook started showing me all this like Jesus cartoons. I was like, what? I was like, how did this happen? But anyway, I, the cartoons that Facebook was showing me was from this specific cartoonist whose political point in, you know, who I think, I didn't know, I had no idea who this person was, uh, but I, I just like looked at his page for a bit. And it was really interesting because he was someone who was like with the church for a very long time. He's a pastor. He still is a pastor like this. 
but his main message in his cartoons was basically like showing Jesus's principles and the church and how far they've kind of like strayed from each other. And that was like his point of view. But we see that that's a very big point of view. You know, we see that like many, many pe people speak of this in general, um, that like Jesus's values were actually like very intense. Like the way that Jesus speaks about family, the way that Jesus speaks about austerity, the way that Jesus speaks about the poor, the way that Jesus speaks about the rich. It's like something has obviously like what Jesus' principles were to um, the way that, you know, and we don't, we don't need to go into that right now because it's a lot and that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. But in Srila Prabhupada's purport, he specifically speaks about that Jesus Christ was seemingly put into such great difficulty being crucified by the ignorant. But he was never angry at the mischief mongers. And Sri Prabhupada says, that is the way of accepting a thing, either favorable or unfavorable. Thus for the devotee, the identifier, right? The identifier of like, you did this to me, is equally a sinner like the mischief monger. And I mean like, and then actually this is great. By God's grace, the devotee tolerates all reverses, right? All reversals. Whew. I, it's a lot to take in because I think that when we do look like an, <laughs> when we do, it's a lot to take in because, you know, it's like basically Srila Prabhupada is asking us like, um, be on Jesus's level. Like that's basically what Srila Prabhupada is saying here. He's like, right. Jesus, Jesus didn't, you know, Jesus didn't, you know, what, 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 what were Jesus's famous words? Forgive them father for they know not what they have done or they know not what they have sinned something like this right sure and, and it's like that's it's a really intense kind of like high consciousness you know i kind of want to hear your take on this because it's very it's very 180 degree to the way that we live life it's very very not what yeah it's very very like completely the opposite of the way that we approach life and uh, the values seem to be very high standard. <laughs> All high right, standard here's, here. here's my attempt to um, justify that. Um, basically, before we get to, you need to be Jesus-like, um, <laughs> which, you know, it's like, okay, we're, we're not saints, and maybe that's the problem. But before we go there, before we take it to that level, um, I was thinking about it in a like in a very practical sense how true this is, this statement mm. is. Mm. Um I'm a, so again, <laughs> So the word stanam, again it, it means like to be situated or or to be standing. So you like you're standing on the floor or you can be like standing in a certain position psychologically speaking. Like you'll get this this verse in Gita, Yoga Sta Kuru Karmani, who's ever mm. situated in yoga, who's ever standing in yoga, and yoga is a mental disorder, standing in, in yoga, um, see the equal vision. This, this is the equal vision verse. So stanam can be like a physical place, and stanam can be like a psychological space also. So mm. whatever is the style of the Adharmakrit, of the person who is doing a dharma, something that's against the principles of flourishing and sustenance. Whatever is their standing, so I'm thinking about standing, whatever is their standing physically, 
and whatever is their standing psychologically. Mm. The identifier will become that on these two mm. levels. So when the person is doing a dharmakrita, when you're doing, he's standing in some particular location doing mm. that, right? Some, pl some place in the world, some place in the city. Um, and so if you are an identifier of that stanam, that place, that means you must also be existing in the same space as them. So since the identifier is standing in the same area, you know, the same area of the world or the same mm. city, perhaps, mm. um, that's kind of like one level. And, and the way I've been phrasing it in a few of our chit chats is that if you want to get your justice, like suppose someone has done something, some wrong to you, and you've identified them as a wrongdoer, and mm. maybe now you have to go to the courtroom. So you're literally in the same stand, like you'll be standing in the same space to get your justice, right? So that's like a very practical, I, I would call it a gross reading of the sort of the, of the verse. Whatever mm. is your standing, uh, the standing of the, the wrongdoer, that will be also your standing. Because if you have to fight against a dharma, you have to be standing in the same place, right? Otherwise, it's not possible to fight against it, isn't it? So that's like a very, mm -hmm. I think that reading um, is interesting. That, that was mm -hmm. the part that like is, you become like that which you identify. And I think that's the mm -hmm. more interesting part. So for me, this speaks to the more psychological aspect of standing. Whatever is the psychology mm. of the person, you will become that if you identify it. And I think, I think there could be a very easy case to be made. I would even say easy case to be made for the fact that when you point out and become preoccupied with those who, who have done you wrong, you tend to develop a similar mentality because of always thinking of them. You become maybe mm. angry, resentful, you might mm. be prepared to do similar acts of cruelty to get your revenge. I mean, how mm. many really good stories or movies that we like to watch start off with someone wronged me, seeing my revenge. Um, mm. And so you become like that, which you constantly meditate on. I have a couple of quotes here I like to share. I always like to share these verses when I talk about this particular verse. Um, this first verse is from Richard Rohr. Tell me this is not true. Like, let tell me one can honestly hear this and say this is not true. Mm -hmm. He says here, we all become well-disguised mirror images of anything that we fight too long or too directly. That which we oppose determines the energy and frames the questions after a while, the questions for your life. Most frontal attacks on evil just produce another kind of evil in yourself, along with a very inflated self-image to boot. Mm. Now, I don't want to... Okay, I do want to give this example. This example is about to be... It's probably a little inflammatory, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's the first example that comes to mind. When you look at, like, oh, Black Lives Matter movement, sorry, I had to say it. Um, as you all know, I'm not like a huge fan of the organization, although the, the tagline is, who can disagree with the tagline, you know? 
but I, I, the organization is problematic for anyone who's done any research in it. You could see for yourself that it's a very problematic organization. It's not even not for profit. So no one knows where all that money is going. Anyway, we're not going to get into that part. But a lot of the people who, who probably have a real justified reason to be angry. Mm. I often wonder if they go back and consider all the reaction that has been caused how their reaction has caused another sort of evil to kind of, um, how you say, come out of mm. all of these things, you know? I'm looking for a word like research. And, uh, anyway, yeah. I can't find the word. Anyway, what's the word I'm looking at? Insurgents? That's not a word, but... Like re like like surface? It's surface. Re anyway, yeah. It sounds like surge, but I'm, I'm missing a part. I'm missing a syllable. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it becomes a well-disguised mirror image. So mm. in fighting injustice, which is what anyone should do in their right mind, in fighting injustice, another injustices are taking place. But the interesting thing about it is that people who are doing the injustices, they don't see it as injustice. Like when you're like looting and burning to the ground small businesses, that had nothing to do with your particular oppression. And like people in your own communities and who are kind of in the same position as you, how is mm. that not another injustice? But then if you were to ask some of these people, now I think some of them are actually just criminals. So we're not talking about them, but in the minds of some people, there's justified in doing so. Mm. Even though those acts, I think objectively, at least I think some cases that objectively those acts could be said to be evil. I, I get where they're coming from but i just this verse it preached it really sticks to me you become like a well-disguised mirror image of anything that you fight too long or too directly and it produces yeah. another kind of evil along with a very inflated self-image to boot i got one other quote but i'm gonna i'm gonna pause there well i think that the fact that dharma the bull is now standing on only one leg and that leg is truthful, which is covered and uh, a truthfulness that is, um, you know, I'm thinking of like veiled or shrouded over or like it's kind of hard to grasp. It's kind of easily manipulated. And so therefore, because Dharma, the, 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 the personification of Dharma in this bull is only standing on this very like weak leg, which, you know, we've spoken a lot about this in Chit Chat, kind of like truth relative truth being something that is not so easily understood you know like i don't but in the example that you just gave that's the first thing that came up for me because in the example that you just gave it's like yes i'm fighting for justice and for me this is 100 percent true you know and then you have the people on the other side and they're fighting and for them it's 100 percent true you know, and it seems that this is very much what's going on right now between whether it be a social justice, whether it be an economic justice, whatever it is, right? It's my side of the story. This is the truth. That is not the truth. Ooh, Madhavapuri hit it on the head. Unstable truth, right? Like hobbling along, that word is used in the translation, an unstable sense of truth. And I think that when you're, when you, I think it's so much easier that Richard Rohr quote, right? To kind of like lose yourself in the image of the other when you're basing your foundations 
on an unstable truth. When, uh, you know, it's like, that is, that's a very difficult place to kind of like start a movement on, to start a, you know, an, an argument on, to start a, you know, any, any sort of like this on. So, and I totally agree with what is being said because we spoke about envy yesterday. And I think that the biggest part of envy, we were speaking about blame and we were speaking about envy yesterday. And so blame is exactly what, you know, when you're reading this kind of parable, when you're reading this part of the Bhagavatam and King per and Pariksit Maharaj is like saying, hey, who did this to you, right? Like you would think that the to me, he did it to me, he's the one who beat me up, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to call out. And we see that kind of in our, I feel like this, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells right now, like talking because I see, I feel like, you know, in our kind of modern landscape or our modern political landscape that we live in, that's very much what is being done, right? Like call out culture and like, they did this, they should pay. Are you still there, Jaya? Okay. Yeah, like call. I'm still there. Your connection is a little wishy washy. Just oh, okay. letting you know. Okay. Um, but anyway, I was saying call out culture. Like, they did this to me. They should pay. They this, they that. And that's very much like what's happening right now. That's kind of accepted, unaccepted um, behavior right now. And, I, mm. and we look at this kind of parable, you know, this, this part of Bhagavatam, and it's like the complete opposite. Right, Dharma will say he's philosophizing, giving this kind of answer, even though it's very clear who did this to him. And Pariksit Maharaj, as in Richard Rohr's quote, is saying like, "Hey, you know, whoever calls out the sinner is also the sinner. Whoever calls out is also going to receive that kind of, uh, you know, it's also kind of in that same standing. It's in that." And I feel like when it comes to blame and envy, which is what we were speaking about yesterday. That is 100% true from a lived experience. When I call someone out or when I tell them, you did this, you did this to me, you did that, like it does not, my lived experience has been that it does not make me feel better. Maybe it might make me feel better in the moment. It might make me feel better in the moment, yeah. but afterwards, those feelings of envy and dissatisfaction, I see them coming up, they get even stronger. Like they get much, much stronger. You know, I'm not able, to let that go. So Dravidian Queen, I feel like poses a really interesting Yeah, question. I, I see I see our comment before we before we get to that. Before we get to okay. that, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna read another quote. I'm gonna okay. read my other quote. Do it. This this quote is from um Aldous Aldous Huxley. Aldous Aldous that's yeah, Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. So he, he, he writes here, I've probably shared this on Chit Chat before also, but it's so good. It, it warrants being shared over and over again. No man can concentrate his attention upon evil or even upon the idea of evil affected. To be more against the devil than for God is exceedingly dangerous. Okay, let me read that. To be more against the devil is exceedingly dangerous. Dangerous. Every crusader is apt to go mad. He is hunted by the wickedness which he attributes to his enemies. Mm. It becomes some sort a part of him. 
those are for good and themselves, but against evil and others, never succeed in making the world better, but leave it either as it was or sometimes perceptibly worse <laughs> than it was before the crusade began. Mm. That's something we have to sit with. That's a very deep. That's a very deep statement. That's now, a I'm looking very at these comments statement. here. Um, I Dravida, um, Dravidian, yeah, Dravidian queen. I'm looking at her statement here, and so disassociation from that person or situation would be a more suitable reaction slash response question from someone who isn't in the position of the guru, question mark. I don't want to suggest what is right or wrong for an individual to do in their particular situation. I guess what I wanted, what I wanted personally, what I wanted to bring up is that nature has a sort of, nature has a sort of predictability to it. That's why, that's why you know, in the stories that we hear, they're like these immortal archetypes that everyone can relate to. There are storylines that everyone can relate to because there's something very predictable and redundant about how human nature plays itself out. Mm. And we're intended to hear these stories and learn about these archetypes because, precisely because it teaches something about our own nature that we may not be consciously aware of. So rather than suggest for a particular individual to do in a particular circumstance because that would be in people are going through context and what's their inner world like and all that it's just to bring to awareness that this is a principle of human nature that you become like that which you constantly meditate on and mm. so the i the irony of the freedom fighter is that he becomes the oppressor after ousting out the, his enemies i i brought this up before in chit chat and sorry, it's a mundane example, but it's one we probably can relate to. The Hunger Games. I brought this <laughs> up before. But in the Hunger yes. Games, you know, District 13, the leader of District 13, in the first few video movies, there were four parts, I think, she seemed like she was a freedom fighter against the oppressor who was President Snow. Mm. But at the end of the movie, we discovered that she wanted, basically wanted to take the position of President Snow. And at the end of the movie, when Katniss, she goes to Snow, and she was like, how could you bomb your own people? And he said, I didn't do that. That was District 13. He's like, don't lie to me. And President Snow said, didn't we make a deal that we would never lie to each other? And so he was, she was like, oh, man, maybe he's telling the truth. So she goes and asks her, her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, not the one she ends up being with, did the leader of District 13, did she send that bomb on everyone that got her sister killed? Sorry, I'm not doing mm. the best job of telling the story. But then her ex-boyfriend was like, yeah. He didn't say yeah, but basically he was like, yeah. And so she realized that she wanted to take the position of President Snow. So at the end of the movie, when Katniss was to execute President Snow, she ended up executing the lady of District 13, realizing that she was just going to be the next dictator in place. So mm. this is a part of the story. Like we've probably all seen Hunger Games. And if you haven't, not that I'm recommending it, but it is a really good movie. I liked it. <laughs> but this is, probably, this is probably a part of the story that we don't 
tend to reflect upon that mm. there's something about human nature that mimics that which is against. It's mm. something very peculiar about how human nature tends to play itself out. And there's so many stories like that. I've just given one story, the story of the Hunger Games. But this is something that many stories will enlighten us about, that there's a tendency of human nature to mimic that which it is profoundly against. Mm. And so rather than suggest to someone what is the right thing for this, is to be aware that you have this problem too. I have this problem too. That mm. whatever I allow my mind to become fixated upon, whether it's good or it's evil, I will have a tendency to mimic that. And mm. so if my mind is fixated on evil and destroying those who would destroy us, for example, then, okay, be careful because you're mm. that you're against and you'll end up perhaps inadvertently, unwittingly ushering in more of the same sort of evil, if not something perceptibly worse. Mm. So that's kind of what I, and, I, and having said that, that's why in yesterday's message, I do feel that the Bhagavatam's message and the message of spirituality in general is to try to go beyond this. Mm. Even the justice, it's a sort of cycle that belongs to this world, this material world. Mm. And so the suggestion is to basically transcend it. It's a high mm. bar. I agree with that. That's why I ask someone like, or say to someone, you should be more Jesus-like. But rather to say, if you go down this path, then you're likely to mimic the forces that you claim to be fighting or that you are actually fighting mm. against. And in that way, you remain in the same space, in the same place as those you're fighting. That's kind of what I'm learning. Mm. I think it's a really beautiful point that you're bringing up, and it's a really nice answer to her, to Dravidian Queen's question. Because I think something that we've, you know, you've brought this example up before of like, how many of us can say that in a position of power and wealth, that, you know, an extreme position of power and wealth, like thinking like president or like famous, you know, super rich Jeff Bezos or whatever, you know, whoever. How many of us can say that we are beyond corruption, that we are beyond being tainted by those things? And I think the issue becomes when it comes to things like and these kinds of things, I think the issue becomes that we start to fancy ourselves that we won't be corrupted, that we are in the, in the, you know, that we are in line with justice, that we are fighting for truth and everything that is true. And right. that's like kind of, that's like a very kind of famous aphorism that hurt people hurt people. And I would go beyond to say that, that just like people just hurt people because I mean, maybe this is a huge generalization, but I think that everyone is hurt in some, in some way. Everyone away from them. And I think the problem becomes in Ooh. the times that we're living, we've, we've brought this up many times before, that, you know, we all have some sort of oppression. We all some, have some sort of trauma, some sort of hurt. However, you know, we're living in the oppression Olympics, who is more oppressed, who's had it worse than this person, and okay, let's bastion that person or that group of people up and like this, 
And so it becomes kind of like this vicious cycle, which you're mentioning, where it's just like the oppressor becomes the oppressed, the oppressed becomes the oppressor, and it just goes round and round and round. I'm looking at what Madhava Puri is saying. Yes. He's saying, I guess, cult I guess cultivating our ability to judge the quality of our association as well, the association we provide is extremely important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have no really final thoughts, but just to, to spirituality and storytelling in general, they point out these sort of idealistic, lofty, very hard to embody. Instead of retaliating, forget all such very difficult um, standards to reach yes because um because these stories they want they want what's good for us spirituality mm. or scriptural teachings want what's good good for and when i say us i don't just mean it us as humans but us as souls also mm. um so they they remain lofty and they remain somewhat abstract they remain difficult to embody. But the consequence of not doing so is that you get to remain in this cycle of birth and death. Yeah. And I think so that for me... If you're, down with, if you're down with that, then all right. You know, do your thing. Yeah. I, mean. I think for me, that's kind of like the biggest point. I mean, there's many big points. But for me, one of the big points is kind of like choose your battles and know what the consequences are going to be from them. You know? Like, know what you're getting yourself into. Like... Be honest with yourself, uh, you know, this is taking up most of my time and therefore how much time do I have left for my sadhana? How much time do I have left for my bhakti? How much time do I have left to reading and to chanting and like this? And I mean like that's not meant to call anyone out, but this is like a struggle that I think many of us go through. I go through this struggle, like should I, how much time should I be focusing on like career and this and like, you know, the the social justice and like whatever and da, 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 da. and then I'm dedicating you know I chant my rounds and then I'm like bye See you. you know like this and if I think that like that just has to be something that yes PB chat said it is a high bar and it is a high bar it is a high bar like Krishna consciousness is a high bar it is so it's like how much am I embracing that high bar how much am I embracing that I, and that's for each of us to figure out according to our circumstances, according to where we're at in our spiritual life. And, you know, that's not meant to, to judge anyone. Like everyone is at where they're at. However, we've made a point maybe like four or five or a week ago. I really love this point that was made that the more I involve myself with the drama of this material world, the less I will be able to enter into the divine drama of Krishna's Leela. And that's just the facts, you know, like that's just the facts. So, like, you know, yeah. I don't know. If the bar is high, give me a pole. I'm jumping over it. Ooh. Pole vault. Ooh. Ooh, I just got, like, a really nice image of, like, jumping over the pole, you know, the, the bar with the pole vault, like, Krishna on the other side. Yes. If the, mm. if the, if the bar is high, give me a pole. <laughs> mm. We're getting over that bar. 
Madhavapuri coming in with the gems. Don't overestimate your moral integrity. <laughs> oh, Krishna, the problem starts with us most of the time. And I think that that's, that's really what we're getting out here with this story. It's like, it's so much easier to point the finger and to say, you know, that's, that's the person, this is the social ill, this is what's wrong with society. If it weren't like this, then I would be able to flourish. If it weren't like this, da 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 But the problem starts with us most of the time. Don't overestimate your own moral integrity. And I think that, I'm gonna speak for myself, this is something that I do, you know? I overestimate my own moral integrity. And I think the problem is that when my moral integrity becomes overestimated by me, when I find myself in situations where my moral integrity is tested. Nah, dude. You know, I have to say, not... I'm going to say honestly, I don't um, overestimate my moral integrity. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that honestly. I'm like, nope, I doubt my moral integrity. Oh my if, God, um, Krishna. If, I'm, if I know I'm on my way to the Bhakti Center, and I know I'm about to pass by some sort of shop, some like say some nasty shop or something, but I know I'm attracted. I'm going all the way around this other side so I don't have to pass it because I seriously doubt my moral integrity. You know, get me alone in a place for too long, and I'm crossing some lines for sure. Absolutely. No doubt about it. <laughs> And I think that's something that's interesting with that. Like in the beginning of my devotional life, I very much overestimated my moral integrity. And now I'm definitely in a place where I do not. And I'm very clear with myself about my own misgivings. I'm like, mm, if I go there, yeah. shit's going to go I love, down. You know? I love so when like devotees, like at Bhakti Center, we would do these like appreciation circles. And then devotees start talking about your character. And you're like, slow down, homie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, when did that happen? Yeah, slow down, hold up. Don't be saying all these things in front of all these people. And they start thinking I'm something that I'm not. And then they see me doing what I actually am. <laughs> they see me actually being myself and being in my element. And it ain't like anything that you said. Slow down. Just keep it to, I like your kirtan. I like when you make good points in classes. Boss, don't say more than that. I think that this is a really interesting topic that maybe we can continue on because I think that in, in terms of spirituality, in terms both of spirituality or like fighting for a greater cause, you know, whether that be the cause of Krishna or whether that be the cause of, you know, social justice, there seems to be like a conflation of the highest ideals with the, with the person, you know, whether, whether it's the person that's doing it, like I'm conflated. I'm at the highest ideals or whether it's the society that's conflating the highest ideals with the person. And that creates a lot of friction, you know, where it's like, this is the expectation of like what you're supposed to be like, or like what others are thinking of you as a spiritual leader, as a social justice leader or like whatever. And then the reality is that like, I'm just a, you know, a person who has a lot of messed up stuff going on and I'm trying to like get through this life as much as I possibly can, just like the other person. However, you know, and that, that becomes an issue. I feel like there's a lot of... Okay, yeah. No, just people appreciating. Oh, yeah. Isn't yeah, over-glorification have... an offense? <laughs> no, it's not an offense, but it's dangerous. It is dangerous. Oh, Krishna, this is a very interesting topic. PV Chat says very thought-provoking, good stuff. Thank you, PV Chat. Thank you for being here always. And thank y'all. 
we can um, continue. Maybe you want to look at this tension tomorrow. The, the, yes. the tension between the reality and the ideal. Always a problem mm. in spiritual societies. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, so let's look at that maybe tomorrow. We'll see what comes up tomorrow, everyone. And thank you all for being here, for being present. Thank you, PB Chad, Dravidian Queen. Thank you for your question. Um, Waves Grace and Anand and Madhava Puri and Mogaji. I saw you were there, PB Chat. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And um, we shall be here tomorrow at 6 Hari. p.m. Hari Hari Bol. Thank you, Tareen Bihari. Hari Krishna. Thank you, Jaya. Hari Bol. Thank you, Kishore. Hari.